This is Looking Closer. I'm Jeffrey Overstreet, and I am sitting at my desk on the campus of Seattle Pacific University, looking out on a very hot afternoon near the end of June, and I am exhausted. It has been a very challenging year to be a teacher, to be anybody, really, uh, during this long year of lockdown. Restrictions are beginning to ease up because more and more people are getting vaccinated, and that is encouraging. Um, the more uh, the more people that are vaccinated, the safer the world becomes, and the more businesses can reopen, and more importantly, people can get back together with their loved ones and enjoy things like live music. I've taken a long break from recording episodes of Looking Closer Podcasts, mostly because it's been such a demanding academic year. I have been completely consumed by the responsibilities of teaching, and I have done very little writing, but I can tell you what I have spent a lot of time doing. Listening. Listening especially to music that would lift my spirits and sustain me. And I am looking forward to getting back to live music, but I am feeling particularly grateful for quite a few musicians who have recorded beautiful work, even in the midst of the same challenges that I've been facing as a writer and teacher, and given it to the world. And one of those bands that I want to highlight today is a duo, in fact, a married couple. Daniel and Lauren Gones got married in 2012 and formed the band Lowland Hum in 2013. I heard them on NPR's All Songs Considered for the first time and was very surprised to get to meet them in person under circumstances that I will mention uh, during the interview that you are about to hear. Uh, but they've released several albums that I've really enjoyed, uh, and a few EPs, some of them EPs of covers. But recently they made an announcement that blew my mind. My favorite rock record of the 80s is probably a toss-up between U2's The Joshua Tree and Peter Gabriel's So, which came out right about the same time. So when I heard that this duo... Lowland Hum, uh, we're planning on covering the entire album of Peter Gabriel's So, in fact, already had, and in fact, were offering me an early listen of this thing. I tell you, I forgot my troubles. Anne and I sat down and listened to this album we know so well, Peter Gabriel's breakthrough pop masterpiece, So, which is so artful and strange and beautiful and moving and features not only the um, mega hit In Your Eyes and other hits like Sledgehammer and Don't Give Up, but also some dark, strange, and mysterious tracks that uh, stay with me every bit as much, like Mercy Street and This Is The Picture. We're going to talk about all of the songs on this record. Um, I'm pausing for a moment and looking out the window because I hardly ever see human beings on this campus anymore. I'm looking forward to that changing, and uh, it looks like there are some small children treating this campus <laughs> as a public park, which is great to see. Uh, but I'm excited to share this with you. Uh, I don't want to waste any more time because uh, this is a long conversation. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, this may be the longest episode of Looking Closer Podcasts yet. Uh, we get going, and are, we are talking as friends, and... Uh, at times, I completely forgot that we were recording something for an audience. So 
Uh, this is a long haul, and maybe it'll be a great introduction to the band for you. Uh, or maybe you've been a fan for a while, and this will be one of the deeper dives you've been able to take listening with them. Uh, they're going to talk about the year they've had in lockdown. They're going to talk about how they met, how the band Lowland Hum was formed. We're going to look very, very closely at quite a few songs from Peter Gabriel's So, why it's such a special record, and what it took for them to accomplish a full uh, covers album uh, of that record. And then we're going to wrap up by playing around with ideas. What other great albums out there might make uh, for great material for future Lowland Hum cover projects? And they've got some other news as well about what's coming up uh, in autumn of 2021. So I hope you can sit back, uh, take well over an hour to enjoy my conversation with Daniel and Lauren Gones, and I will include one apology here. This, like so many of the great conversations I've had over the last year, took place on Zoom, and so the sound quality is not what it could be. I suppose I could have hired a producer to uh, mix uh, the tracks from their end of the conversation and mine, but I was told that would take a great deal of time, and uh, it's already been uh, several weeks, so I want to get this to you now. Enjoy Lowland Hum, their new album, So Low, and then work your way back through their catalog with great records like Glyphonic, which was one of my favorite records of the last few years. So here we go, my conversation with Daniel and Lauren Gones. Daniel and Lauren Gones, it is a joy to see you, uh, to see your faces, to hear your voices. And frankly, it's just been a while since we've seen each other. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful to talk with you, and it's been fun to just reconnect a little on text. Well, I, we should begin by giving credit where credit is due, right? Um, a friend of mine since way back when I was in college, Stephen Purcell, uh, I met him while he was just sort of uh, in the area, and he was painting, and I thought, this guy likes the arts, he reads a lot of interesting stuff. Um, we started talking about the arts, and he, I remember him talking about how he'd like to run an arts and faith program someday somewhere and he wow. has done that and now he's yeah. the events director at laity lodge where we met and he listened to me ramble on and on about how uh, i loved writing fiction and writing about the arts and we connected on our having so many favorite musicians it was just ridiculous uh, <laughs> so when he brings favorite musicians to laity lodge uh, as he did when I was down there with, with the writers group, the Chrysostom Society, um, I trust him completely and have discovered so many of my favorite artists that way. And when he brought you two, uh, I was just like, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> we were, I was destined to be a super fan and, and uh, by the grace of God, we were destined to be friends. So, Yes, yes. Just the experience of going to Lady Lodge and then meeting the group of people that was there that was the first time we'd ever been there um, for yeah, that so retreat. We were kind of like super intimidated. Also. It was intimidating that first and exciting. When everyone was reading ex like little excerpts of things they'd been working on. We were like, oh, now we have to sing our songs to these <laughs> genius people. Okay, cool. And they're really good at words. Cool. cool. Yeah, we had both <laughs> cried like five times during the readings. And we were like, I guess we'll still sing, but Yikes. man. Um, but I think that, yeah. I think that happens whenever you get people together from different branches of the arts, right? I, mean, I remember yeah. Lee, Lee Nash was there once uh, 
and I'd been a sixpence none the richer fan for so long. And so I had to go up and read like work in progress, like unpolished stuff and she was <laughs> sitting right there. And I just kept, I felt I was so nervous. And then I talked to her afterwards and she just said, I am so nervous. I'm surrounded by all these writers. <laughs> that is kind of what it felt like, but it was also so exciting um, because when you, as you know, writing is such solitary work that you forget that there are lots of other people all over the place doing the same solitary work and you just feel less alone. And, mm -hmm. and it makes you that, that even though it was just a four or five day thing, we got home and we were, we felt so energized and um, like we just felt like we were a, a part, we were more aware of being a part of something much larger than just uh, us in our little studio alone, you know? Yeah. Well, I, what I remember most vividly, besides your concert there, and the fact that you handed out little lyric books, which, boy, talk about being artists after my own heart. <laughs> I, I treasure lyric books. I mean, I read them separately, like books of poetry, uh, apart from the music, if, if, if the writer is a good writer. Um, and that was, that was such a joy. I still I know right where it is. I know right what shelf it's on at home. Um, so, but, I, but I also remember that right away, we started connecting on favorite artists. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it, I just had to laugh when you, when you told me what you were up to. Because, <laughs> um, this was my very first CD. Oh wow. my gosh. In the mid eighties, one of those BMG music club things. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I my remember it well. Yes. I got suckered into that and this was in the first delivery. So oh. that's, that's why I literally stood up when I read your email about what you were doing. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so fun. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> we inherited a, uh, a record collection from uh, some friends who moved to Europe for grad school. And that's the records we have out in the studio. And so as one of the, we, we inherited that. I didn't have a copy on, on vinyl, but. They may be wanting it back. So. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's safe for the next eight years kind of thing or six yeah. years or however long it takes them, but. What a treasure. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Your very first CD. That's, that's glorious. Well, you want to be careful if you get the vinyl, just, just fair warning there. The, the last track, which I think is so essential because we'll, we'll talk about this later, but the penultimate track, uh, we do what we're told is, is a dark troubling song i think yeah yeah and this is the picture which comes after that i think sort of lets the light back in um it's not on the vinyl because they added that song as you may know oh, that's right yeah that's right last yeah. minute yeah. yeah yeah um so people who got the cd were sort of lucked out um well we we could just ramble like this for forever, but um, we've got a job to do, which is to get people excited about this this release. You yeah. have been so, shall we say, productive during lockdown with two new releases, so to speak. <laughs> um, why don't you tell us about, let's get, we'll get to so, so low in a bit. Why don't you tell us about the other new release? Yes, we've just had our first child in December. Yeah. <laughs> released child released into the world. It's right not right that easy. Yeah. <laughs> um congratulations yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah um yeah uh, his name is can i say his name yeah, yeah. his name is donovan and Excellent. um he's a, he's a fun little guy yeah he's five months old 
and he is he still really doesn't know doesn't really know what he's doing yet he's, he's really he's not adjusted yet but we're getting there yeah but i trust you've begun his musical education oh Absolutely. that started straight that away. started straight home on the way home from the hospital. What, what was do you know what the first thing you played for him was? oh yeah well i just there were just there were cds in the car that were there's like a, a cd changer in this old car that we have and so the first song i think was um was like a rolling stone because it was just <laughs> that that, um, that <laughs> that was the record that was on and i just i just turned you know i turned the power on the thing that came on and the second song was mother nature's son you know the beatles and that was i was kind of like kinda that was that, that was perfect we were so exhausted i don't even know i was just kind of bleary eyed yeah. you know but um i felt pretty good about those first two yeah well that had to make this uh, recording process challenging for sure yes it it was one of the hardest things we've ever done it's probably been the hardest time we've ever had in terms of um it's just been extremely high impact we we realized pretty quickly that um this is a beautiful thing but also a very complicated thing and it kind of alludes to another question you you um you you had on your list but uh we collaborate on every single thing so we never divide and conquer in fact even in marriage counseling before the marriage counselor has said <laughs> it might be good to do something separate. She was like, have um, you ever thought about doing something separately? And we were, and we like, were kind of like, whoa. Uh, somehow that never occurred we're like, to no, us. No, we've never had that idea before, which is really strange. But we just, we collaborate on every single thing we do. Um, and so when we, when you put a newborn in, in the mix of that, we just, we got com nothing done ever. Not any day did we get anything done for months. Yeah. And then um, I except for keeping a small team. Yes, yeah, sorry. We that were, is something. My sister, my sister, really, my sister keeps reminding me, don't say that you're not doing anything. You're doing an incredibly profound and beautiful thing and an important thing every day. And that's totally true. I just mean because we, you know, we run this this band and it's just us two. Um, anything that's related to that was just out the window for for a, a few months, and that was the plan at first, but. Um, we begin to wonder how on earth are we going to yeah. step back into anything because this is we could barely get food in our mouths yes it's crazy but uh what happened was i had pitched the idea of covering so to our team um before the baby and they were kind of like that is ambitious uh and you've never had a kid right and I'm like no i never had a kid and like okay um we'll see and i was like well you know it's the 35th anniversary i think that would be interesting they're like oh we love the idea like you know kind of like we'll see so after about after our kind of period of parental leave i just reached out and said when do you need the files and they were and they wrote back and said oh you know you've got time you, we don't need them until early april and i thought they didn't need them until early may um and so <laughs> we pretty much got started like so I day. just was like Lauren um parental leave is kind of over and and actually our manager was like you've already arranged them all right and I was like um no. we haven't started that but I like where your head's at you that know that would have been, been a great idea but um so so that really kind of jump-started us and, and honestly that was very helpful mm -hmm. to have that you know that cutoff time and to know okay, now's the time. And, and it really focused us. Having a child has really focused us because it, it's brought our limitations into sharp um, focus, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's how that kind of got going. And then every time he would fall asleep, we would sprint out to the studio with a monitor, which is what we're doing right now. Um, we just have this, put it here on, we're in the studio now and, you know, just put that up there and, and we would just kind of crank every day. We worked for, I think it was 26 days, 25 or 26 days straight um, with no, like anytime he was asleep, we were recording um, that entire time. And Lauren's parents came up to help a couple weekends, which was sacrificial. And that's and why really the record the exists. Only way we could have finished it, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder, you know, Peter Gabriel has a, his, his vocals are very unique. He, ha yeah. he has a, an interesting range. Uh, he often layers his, his vocals singing in different octaves. Um, I'll bet, I, I'm, I'm curious to know if that made things extra challenging for e either of you. Mm -hmm. um, Aside from like extreme intimidation, we were, I mean, we obviously were acquainted with the album, uh, but every time we would dive into another song to record it, we would just be like, wow, okay, so he's incredible. How on earth are we going to honor this incredible, incredible sound that he can make with his body? Um, yeah, he, the force of his vocals uh, is kind of unparalleled in my opinion. I mean, other people have, you know, as powerful of a kind of, of, of you know, it hits as hard, but mm -hmm. he, we, we would basically, we would close listen. We'd finish, we took it one song at a time. Um, and then we would kind of live in that song until we finished it. And some of them took a lot longer than others, but um, we, and we would start by listening to it a few times, kind of in a totally different way than we ever had. Cause we were like, we were thinking, we tried yeah, to which, treat which the songs. Which things do we want to yeah. preserve? And then which things do we want to tweak and shift? And some of like, some of his melodies, they, seem so they are so natural for his songs and the world he creates with his songs um but when we tried to like recreate some of those melodies one for one they sounded ridiculous coming out of us <laughs> and, like really yeah. absurd sounding honestly and i don't know how like for him it's just it just feels convincing and and real and when we would sing it we'd be like wow that does not it doesn't carry yeah it so we we rewrote I mean, you know, kind of tweaked a lot of things. Um, and as far as like sifting through all the layers, I'm not sure how we went about that. Well, the, the I mean, idea we was... tend to layer a lot voc of vocals on our recordings as well. So we right. kind of naturally had ideas that might've just not kind of like dovetailed nicely with the things that he was doing on some of his songs. One of yeah. our goals was to try to create a similar dynamic shape to his songs, but using we tried to think about, okay, if we had written this song, if this was a Lowland Home song, what would we do? So if it was just, if we had written the chords and the melodies, um, what would we do? And then after that, after we kind of, oh, you know, we might do this on a nylon string and it might be like triplets or something. And they'd be like, okay. Mm -hmm. And we would kind of get the sort of backbone of it. And once we had kind of dialed in the sort of one guitar, two vocal or piano, yes, two vocal, then we would then we would listen again to Peter Gabriel's version and say, what are these like what of these melodies that are on his original, which of those seem to belong in the universe of this new direction? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we would kind of take it like that. And also, like you said, some of the things he 
uh, he's able to do and pull off. It's like, it's like clothing. It's like, yeah, we couldn't pull off some of the clothing. It's like, Oh, that, that looks like we're dressing. That looks like a costume. It doesn't look like somebody's, it doesn't look like clothes we'd wear. So, so you're not going to recreate the claymation sledgehammer video. (laughs) We we really tried to figure something out. Um, Actually, we really were trying to figure out, could we, could we reference like each of these crazy images in this video? It'd be awesome. But um, that's funny. But yeah, it was, that's, that was a, this, the vocal part of it was a big challenge because I just, I think those vocal performances are unmatched. I mean, it is unbelievable to hear yeah. him sing those songs. Yeah. The only singer I've ever heard who I think can do a good Peter Gabriel is Guy Garvey, who's the lead singer of Elbow. Um, and so when there was a when there was a tribute Peter Gabriel tribute album that came out, I think it was that project that actually, <laughs> well, the ego on this guy, you know, he 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 invited people to participate in a tribute album for him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Elbow did a cover of Mercy Street, and it's it's uncanny because it sounds almost exactly like the original, which oh, wow. is sort of like, well, then why do it? Uh, but what I love about this project is that the songs really are different enough mm. that I'm thinking about them in different ways. Um, I really had no idea before I hit play how in the world you guys were going to sound doing Peter Gabriel stuff, but the, it's it just fits perfectly. Uh, you've altered the melodies slightly in places that I think bring different aspects of the lyrics forward. Um, the harmonies are fantastic. The choices of which ones Lauren's up front, which ones you're singing right together. That's, those are all, I thought, just right. Um, so I can't wait for people to hear it who know the original as well as I do. I mean, I've been trying to sing with Peter Gabriel for 35 years in the car, um, but to hear just how beautifully it fits, I can't wait for them to hear the whole thing. Um, uh, but we're going to talk about specific tracks soon, but first, I mean, just real quick, this is kind of a, this will be a little bit of whiplash here, but I'm, I'm remembering that some of the folks who are listening to this are probably brand new to you guys. Um, and so uh, they should probably hear a little bit more about the, the journey to this point. So if you were pitching a, an origin story uh, film on Lowland Hum, um, how does that story go in an elevator pitch? And uh, and who plays Lauren and who plays Daniel? <laughs> That's a it's great funny, question. It's funny you should ask because Daniel actually has worked up a 10 second version of our story that he also ah. recites at our great. concerts. But I've never thought of who would play us in a, in a movie. Yeah, so I want you to great. think about oh, that. Shoot. Okay. I'll, I'll do the 10 second story. All right. So here it goes. I used to write songs by myself. Then I met Lauren and I was like, whoa, we should get married. And she said, okay. And so we got married. She quit her job, started singing harmony on my songs. That changed my songs. We started writing together. We became Lola and Hum, and we've been on tour and making records ever since. That's I, it. That, that ten seconds, perfect. Yeah, that's Fantastic. it. We can elaborate if you like. Um, yeah, basically, I was in I was in a band um, in Nashville for about. First, we were we we formed in Chapel Hill when I was in college, and um, then we moved to Nashville. That band was first called Starting Tuesday, then called The War, kind of a pop rock, kind of like early Coldplay sounding band. When that band broke up, I moved back to North Carolina, um, where I'm from, and Lauren had become friends with a bunch of my, like, childhood friends um, in the interim, and so she was kind of in the group that I knew there, and so I met her that way. It was not romantic at first. I did hear her singing along. I just, I, I, 
I went to a party I wasn't invited to. It happened <laughs> to be Lauren's going away party. Okay, now I'm now I'm seeing the movie start to. Yes, yeah, I know. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to. Make, this is a little you more sad. Me, but I think Adrian Brody plays you. Oh wow, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, okay. that's great. It doesn't have to Whoa. be complimentary what you choose for me, but that's just what came to my mind. Oscar-winning anyway. actor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let me think about it. Not as important. Actually, I think it's uh, Rachel. Brosnahan or whatever um, from that from that movie I'm Your Woman we just saw. Okay. Have you seen oh, the movie I'm, I'm Your Woman? Uh, the, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, yeah, that's that's her. Yeah. That's her. You think she would play yeah. me? Um, I think oh. so. Based okay. on that performance on I'm Your Woman. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. I, I, I was a little nervous having asked the question. I didn't want the, the band to break yeah, up. We got, yeah. the we're like, um, we need to pause this interview. We're like, I've got it. I don't like being that. That's who came to mind. That's great. I take it. Um, She's amazing. So we, I heard Lauren, I was at this party. Um, I heard her singing along. I was doing what I do at parties, which is try to not talk to anybody because I, I don't have much of a filter. So I say a bunch of weird stuff and I'm like, crap. And I needed to make friends because I had just come back to town. So I was trying to be quiet. So I stood right into the speaker and Lauren was singing along to what was on. And she was writing a harmony on the fly, but it sounded so good. I thought it was on the song. <laughs> but I knew the song and I was like, this song doesn't even have a harmony. I love this version. And then I turned around and it was Lauren. And this is where our memories uh, diverge. But she says that I said, no, I know introduction. And I just said, you should sing with me um, right away. And I thought I like introduced myself and then eventually got around to like, wow. you should be singing. But but she said I was basically like, you should sing with me right away. Wow. And so that, that kind of happened. Anyway, it, it wasn't romantic at first. Um, her background is visual art. So I, I asked her to do, um, once we were talking more, uh, I asked her to do the album art for a record I was working on. And, and then you asked me to sing, then I asked her to sing on the song. And it sounded so good. I was like, will you sing on the second song? And anyway, it turned into, oh, we love each other and we should sing together. And then she helped me write on a song, which was a big risk. I know a lot of people that write songs and I, I, I was not sure I could write with many of them, but Lauren threw out an idea and I thought, you know, that is better. And then yeah. I would kind of, she would say something and say, oh, but what if we did that? And she'd be like, oh, that, I don't, that is better. And it was kind of like, there's tension involved always. But um, anyway, that, that led to Lowland Hum really mm -hmm. um, after seeing how she was changing the songs i just realized these aren't these this isn't my thing anymore it's a different thing and so that's 2012 when that happened mm -hmm. well um, i'm married to a writer we met as writers started critiquing each other's work and i always say that's great practice for marriage if you can take good criticism yes uh, from, from somebody else um and we seem strangely drawn to the music of married couples um uh there's something about uh um, a collaboration like that, that I, I think gives the music something distinct. Uh, so Anne and I have been huge fans of Don and Karen Paris of the Innocence Mission, uh, going, going all the way back to their early records. Um, I, don't, I don't know what our lives would be without Linford Detweiler and Karen Bergquist of Over the Rhine. Um, their albums have been like a soundtrack for our marriage for 25 years. Another reason why this just clicked when we heard you I'm curious to know, are there, are there other artistic marriages or maybe, maybe those that have, that have been sort of guiding lights for you and making an art, 
a marriage and artistic collaboration work? We really love Innocence, Innocence Mission. Yeah, but even that's more like in the past maybe, six years yeah, or six, so, yeah. seven years or so that we discovered them. So I, I honestly don't know. We, well, I there are, uh, David and Sharon Covington are, they're a couple and they sang together, um, still do, but they, they were kind of like, um, well, they were like a folk duo in California in the 60s and 70s and on up into the 80s. And obviously they're still alive and singing, but um, they were touring in those times. And, and I met them um, when I was trying to figure out, kind of trying to figure out if the thing with Lauren was like a life thing. I was trying to figure out a lot of things. Why, why music? Why, why am I drawn to music that is basically all metaphorical? Why am I, you know, I was just trying to figure out what, what I was doing because I was in this other band that was, that was much more straightforward in the songwriting. And then when I wrote alone and not in the context of writing with those guys, it was completely different. And I was just trying to figure out who I was. And um, so they were hugely influential for me and, and helpful in kind of, I don't know, finding, finding the way forward. And they continue to be. Yeah. Um, I think as friends and mentors, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But we, we, but we longed actually don't, for, we don't listen to a ton of married duo music. We've longed for that, but we haven't, yeah. yeah, we haven't, we haven't found that. We quite. keep hoping we're going to meet a couple that's like still doing it. And they can just be like, here's what we did. Cause we have so many questions about <laughs> how to do this in a healthy way. Yeah. Especially now that there's a kid in the mix. Yeah, yeah. My head is spinning. We have some we have some friends. Uh, David, have you ever heard of David Wax Museum? Hmm. It's a, a band. They're they're also based in Charlottesville. I think they originally formed in Boston, but it's a husband and wife, and they have kids, and they toured, and we're we're close friends, and we collaborate on stuff um, regularly, and and that's been a huge gift. But that's more like, and they are further down the road than us, and that they've toured with kids, and that's been very helpful. But uh, your question, when I read it, I thought. I just felt longing more than an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, it's hard for artists because you, whether you're an introvert or not, you need a lot of solitary time uh, yeah. for for the work to find a shape. Anne works separately on her poetry, and I work on my fiction or my film reviews or music reviews or whatever. Um, and you know, that's the central challenge of our marriage is having the solitary time we need to be faithful with our gifts and all the time and demands invested in in a marriage and uh now I'm, i mean i can't imagine parenting uh on top of that so it's gonna be uh, i'm gonna want to keep checking in on you too. <laughs> yes um, <laughs> so let's talk about solo um why this album and not something else. I mean, there are, first of all, that year or that two year span there uh, in the late eighties, it is pretty amazing. Yes. Um, with the Joshua Tree and so, and well, for me, the Leslie, Leslie Phillips album, The Turning, which was a, a monumental album in, in Christian music and started her producer artist relationship with T-Bone Burnett. There was so much going on there that people point back to as sort of a golden age now. Mm -hmm. um but tell me about your relationship with this with this album we've heard a little bit already mm -hmm. um for me i think this album is kind of almost uh unbelievably balanced in that it it's 
very, very vulnerable, but, but funny, but profound. And then it's, it's very serious musically, but there's even kind of like, um, things that make you laugh, like kind of nerdy, funny things musically as well. Then, then there's, there's also the kind of immersive nature of the whole album. You feel like you're kind of in a dream sequence where someone is very astutely processing an, a, a whole lifetime of experience or something. It, like in Red Rain, you feel like you're waking up, but it's like a dream within a dream. Yeah. You, you're, you're, you're like intuiting all these conflicts and someone's giving up kind of, and they're, and they're not giving up. And then there's so, there's so much tension and then there's all this catharsis and, and even in the sound of his voice, both of those things exist a ton. Really? There's catharsis and, and this tension and passion. And then I don't know, like even in your eyes, uh, it's a love song and it's yeah. it's attributing so much to to a relationship that it it's it's like a cosmic thing and it, it so that there's all there's so much stuff interacting on the record um, a lot of it seems like it's shrouded in mist and like you're in the middle of a lake <laughs> I mean there is there's mentions of a lake of course but but it's also or of water, but, the, but yeah, it's like, it, it sounds like you're underwater. You're, oh. you're in a, in a cloud. You're, but you're in also, jungle. you're in a jungle yeah, and it's a, yeah. yeah, it's a party. It's, it's, there's absurdity. There's chaos. It, it just, to me, feels like someone operating at a level that mm -hmm. it, it, the, to me, the, some of the greatest records of all time compromise none on innovation are challenging the listener and in and also compromise none on inviting the listener in giving them enough uh of an of an opening to yeah. go as deep as they want to go so you could listen you could put this on in the background which i've done and it's incredibly enjoyable and the melodies are unbelievable and you'll remember them forever or you can study every second of the album and and there's always more for you and i think that's like it's like a great meal or a great conversation. At the end of it, you feel like, I wish there was more of every single thing. I wish there was more of every flavor. I wish there was yeah. more of every, I wish we could have talked more about everything that was said. Yeah. And to me, all of those things are true about this album. And I thought it would just be, first, it was a joke when I first said it, because I thought it would be so kind of funny to play songs that are that lushly arranged. And my first idea was, one guitar, two voices, nothing else. And I thought that is hilarious. And I said it kind of as a joke. And we sent our manager a verse and chorus of Sledgehammer with just one guitar and us both singing into an iPhone. And then he wrote back and was like, you have to do it. Yeah, and we, yeah. we listened back to the memo and we were like, maybe we do. And then we like, you know, and, it's, and I, we told, um, we were talking to a, another person about this record yesterday and we were, or a couple of days ago. And, and we said, if we weren't so sleep deprived, we might not have, yeah. might not have done it because yeah. we were right on that edge of like fatigue, absurdity. What if we did, you know, I mean, especially no. a song like big time or, or sledgehammer, Th these songs, I thought that is hilarious to even 
pretend like we're going to be able to do that. And, and, but once we were in it, it became very serious and there were even moments of despair when we were trying to arrange the songs, but, but it, but it was, yeah, that I processed verbally. And so saying all that was that, that, that is, that's why. Yeah. Well, you picked a good album uh, for that. That will speak right back to you when you feel like giving up. Right. Um, so, <laughs> that's uh, right. That's good, right. Good choice. I think um, it's a kind album too. I think it's very kind mm-hmm. and very empathetic. And that's very characteristic of all of his stuff. I mean, uh, the the album that came out, gosh, uh, five years later, Us. That's um, my other favorite of his. Yeah, I mean, so, he continues to explore so many of the same themes. It's almost like the U2 song, With or Without You, could be yeah. could be the frame for all of Peter Gabriel's songs because there, there are these two forces pulling on him. There's this ego and narcissism that you hear in in big time um boy this has been the last few years i've heard the song big time sort of just in the back of my mind a lot uh, because it's such a perfect picture of narcissism and and somebody just thinking that they are what everything is about and i don't think we need to go into why i was thinking about that but um that that song is so fresh today because we see so many big egos in the world and so many megalomaniacs in the world um and it's one of the only mentions of god on the record um but it's a a, it's an obsession with bigness rather than intimacy and then on the other end you've got um that voice again which is a song about that fear of intimacy and, and becoming vulnerable um so there's such a range of wrestling with what it takes to experience love and the selflessness that you need to get to for those moments uh, when you see the light, the heat, right? Um, so just blazing real quick through uh, the tracks here, you've mentioned Red Rain, which is so abstract and so strange. So many lyrics about it seems like a, a baptism in blood. It could be Eucharistic in a way, but it could also be a nightmare about the Holocaust. There's so yeah. many ways to interpret it. But you you mentioned um, that that moment when it sort of all becomes grounded in those lines, um, and I can't watch anymore, mm-hmm. no more denial. Mm-hmm. It's like this moment of awakening that you can find plenty of things to connect to in social justice movements right now. That moment when people, well, that's where the, where the word woke came from, right? Uh, in its current connotation, that moment when you finally realize what's really going on and you are accountable then to that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, to start the album with that, um, I think with the journey that's ahead could, be, could make this an album about loving your neighbor globally which Peter Gabriel has shown such a conviction about in, in his, the, the extracurricular things he's done with his career. But it's also, um, it's also in any intimate relationship, the, the moment you realize you have to be accountable for your own failures and your, the wounds you have inflicted. Um, and he also seems to externalize uh, the corrosive inner voice or inner voices that we are all dealing with. And he, he'll, it's like, he's one of the only songwriters that will just say, there's, it's not a metaphor. He's just saying the, the horror, the horrible things that we say 
to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll just say, you know, judge and jury in my head. It's like, it's just, yeah. he's it's just, plain. it's just like, it's so, um, it's almost like, it's, it's shockingly, um, direct, like bald. It's like, mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, and, and, and you, yes. Yeah, singing, singing those lines, uh, like on that, on that voice again, I'm thinking of in this moment, but singing those lines, it felt, it, you, it felt so vulnerable and it felt so, I could really mean that because I, I have trouble liking myself. So I could really mean that song and mm-hmm. I could really feel the fear of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and interviews are scary for me because I, I often dislike what I say. And I think about it when I go to bed. Um, and so I really, I, I think he seems to be somebody who is speaking from, it, it's like he's talking about, he's able to write that way because he seems to have processed a great deal of what is surfaced in his relationships unhealthily and and how he has maybe found some healing in relationships with other people and, and in, even in friendships it's like don't give up to me is, is really a mm-hmm. friendship song um and it's a it's a song i'm talking the whole time i'm sorry I, I, i'll well, listen i'm space. thinking we should talk about each song yeah yeah I'll, 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 <laughs> well, I, i'm realizing how hard it is to do that with this album because they're all so interconnected Yes. Yeah, um, kind of like when we <laughs> when we started out, we're like, well, well, let's try covering one. And then we're like, oh, you can't. Well, how do we pick one? And then because they are they do all feel so interconnected. And then we did a couple and we're like, well, should we just leave it at that? Like like a, a trio of songs. And we're like, no, no, because now this one's calling out to the other one. And we've got to they yeah. are so a family of songs and totally their own universe. Uh, it's hard to talk about one without talking about others. So, well, the next one on the album is Sledgehammer, but I feel like that's thematic whiplash here because we've <laughs> just gone from that abstract nightmare to a kind of comedy version of the Song of Songs, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like a, a torch song um, for people that like absurd comedies. Yeah, yeah right. Um, if there was, I mean, that song takes probably takes the, the trophy from most innuendos in one song. Yes, um, but but it does turn. Why don't, why don't you well, talk about what you were say, saying earlier? Today? It also, though, I mean, to Peter Gabriel's credit, when it shifts into a minor key, it you don't really even detect it in his version. It all feels so like high energy, positive, fun, and we didn't even really notice that aspect of that song until we tried to cover it ourselves. We realized, oh my gosh, this is so jarring when you like break it down and try to recreate it. And it just for a long time felt like two different songs switching back and forth. And we're like, how on earth are we going to, yeah, we had to marry keep, these? We had to keep changing sections. the chord, the chord changes. We had to keep changing the melodies. And we, it took, that one took, that, was a that section one. took a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I don't know how, I don't know how he does that. How does yeah. he do that? But he brings a, um, I think he's bringing, it's like he's bringing a, a shadow into that whole um, kind of machismo thing that's happening. Um, and it, maybe it's, maybe it's because he kind of thinks it's dumb or funny, or it's a part of himself that he is going to express and it's going to be a hit song, but he's going to have it do this kind of wild stuff at the end with that 
all that all that yeah, stuff yeah. is so unexpected and and then i kicked the habit right or or this is the new stuff yeah there's yeah there's suggestions that there it can be read as merely merely erotic not to demean uh erotic poetry but there's also a grand tradition of erotic poetry that's about the poet singing to the muse and right. this is the new stuff I mean, when Sledgehammer hit the radio, people knew who Peter Gabriel was. He was that guy from Genesis who does all this really dark art rock. But this was a hit. And this was uh, sexy in a silly way. And, <laughs> and so he's just sort of like, he's making a fool of himself and he knows it. Um, so it, 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 it also felt like a musical turn for him that, that yeah. he, pop was not below him. Uh, he was sort of he was sort of asserting that. Um, so it's remarkable. I, that 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 would seem to me to, to be the song that would be the hardest for you guys to fit into your sort of sonic uh, palette. Um, and so I was so shocked at how different the song sounds and how much um, more intimate it sounds. Really, mm -hmm. um, I love it. Thank you. That one in big time were probably the two hardest for us. But you know what's weird? The beginning of Sledgehammer was the easiest. Yeah. Because it just came right out. I was like, I, I really was joking. Maybe around. because we were joking. You and I was not taking I was not taking myself seriously. And I was just doing I was just singing it to Lauren, like, we could do it. I was like, I'm just singing it. And then, <laughs> and then she started singing a harmony. I was like, this is kind of cool. Um and, and then once we got into the song, it did get very we hit a we hit a wall. It got Got really about halfway through, but yeah. And then you go into this song, which has its origins in Depression era photography, uh, images of communities just wrecked economically, and this dialogue uh, between Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush, two uh, you know unbelievable voices. Although I guess it was originally supposed to be Dolly Parton. Um, yeah, we heard about that. I heard that. I, I kind of can picture that. It would be a totally different song, different but I can song. kind of hear that. I'm yeah. glad Kate Bush, but I would like to hear that version too. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Um, Kate Bush is one of my wife's favorite artists. We play a lot of her uh, at the house. And um, such a, she's, she, like Peter Gabriel, likes to do a blockbuster production. Um, but this song is for, when they meet it's not like that it's so hushed yeah. um and so this feels like it's it's right in your wheelhouse really yeah. um but we need this song now you know i'm thinking what a great time to release this uh for people who are feeling so much fatigue for so many reasons and it's easy to feel hopeless about a lot of things right now so this song i think is very very timely did it have a specific reading for you well, for me, it was the first song that really drew me to the album, mainly because of, I mean, we were talking about kind of, you were talking about kind of the baldness of some of the lyrics in, what song was that? Uh, that Voice Again. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but this one to me is, is, is that, I mean, just, it's, it's shockingly loving it's 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 kind of the way i wish we all felt like we could talk to one another i mean just it's so plain like don't give up you still have friends you know it's so beautiful <laughs> it's like it's so touching it's, it's kind of like i'm kind of like 
can anyone speak that straightforwardly to another person? It, it is so beautiful and, and, and shocking in its, in its um, directness. I and it's really Peter Gabriel, it. so people took it seriously. So it wasn't like people were like, oh, you just can't, like, you can't write something more complex. It's like, no, this is simplicity on the way far side of complexity. This is a weird guy. And he's mm -hmm. saying that on purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's saying. And that's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this one was when I was really, really excited uh, to work on for that reason. It just, yeah, it's, I think it takes courage to speak that directly to someone you love when they're, when they're in pain and when they're really, really low. I mean, I don't know. There's a real boldness to it that I love. I'm, I'm, if, if I'm trying to encourage somebody, sometimes I, I feel like an idiot because I hear myself saying the same simple things over and over and over again. And I'm just like, yeah. this isn't working. But then I think of a song like this or a song like uh, R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts. And yeah. I think about the liturgical power of repetition, right? The, mm -hmm. the um, just the constant reassuring those little daily rituals uh, between, you know, a married couple or between a mother and a child. Um, yeah the lasting influence of that. And I, I've, I've read about how this song has saved people from suicide. That doesn't really surprise me. me no, I, I kind of thought, I thought of suicide, like in the first couple listens to this song. Um, and I think some of the phrases in the verse are some of the most distilled, like articulations of desperation that I've ever heard no one wants you when you lose yeah it's just yeah. like that that's that's like a that's a that's a couple paragraphs there i mean it's you know that's it's some powerful stuff and so I, I think um we early on thought it would be it would be really interesting to switch the the genders on this one mm -hmm. um in terms of vocal performance right right yeah. um yeah i i that that one but but because we're not Peter Gabriel, we were concerned that it would that it wouldn't it wouldn't be able to land, um, and so we did have, we we tried a bunch of different ways of playing the guitar part and, and it, that actually that was a harder one too because yeah, it was kind of scary for that because it's so direct that we thought there's there's a chance we could accidentally like push this over into a, a territory that disrespects it and makes it feel more sentimental. And, and I would be heartbroken if that was the case. So we would, we scrapped a bunch of different beginnings of it because we thought uh, it's getting in a, it's like, it's sweet in a way that's not um, cutting. Yeah. When Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush do it, it's like, it's it cutting. has edge. Yeah. But when a, a married duo that love one another <laughs> and people already place that kind of like lovey dovey, like, we try to avoid Filter that, what we like do, the plague, no matter what we do. Uh, yeah. We felt a little nervous. So that voice again is one of probably the most underrated songs on the on on Peter Gabriel's record, and I, I think it stands out as a real highlight on this one. And coming after "Don't Give Up," it makes a lot of sense then for someone who has been reassured to to find themselves in a place where they feel the courage to really speak, like you were saying earlier, Daniel. The the those things you hear and in your head, those those lies that those voices in your head tell you over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I feel like we kind of touched on that song earlier. 
but it goes even darker, doesn't it? Because then you get to Mercy Street. Mm -hmm. And this is the, uh, the song inspired by the Anne Sexton poem. And of course, she was in some questionable kinds of treatment. She was remembering things that may have happened, may not have happened, related to abuse, parental abuse from her father and her mother. Um, it wasn't long after her book, uh, The Awful Rowing Toward God, came out that uh, she committed suicide. I'm learning you're not supposed to say committed suicide. I don't know if you've heard this. Someone the other day said, we're break the habit of calling it committed suicide because the word committed for most people is associated with crimes. Um, better to say died by suicide. And I've, I've been thinking about that. I think that's a really interesting idea. Hmm. But um, so I should, I'm gonna try saying Anne Sexton died by suicide. Mm -hmm. um, um, but when, when Anne and I listen to this song, it's funny how poetry works, right? It can, it can say something so different to you than it was for the poet. Um, my wife, Anne, is a poet. Um, her name is Anne, like the character in the song. And she lost her father um, uh, a couple of summers ago. And they were very, very close. He, he was just her hero in the world. Um, and so hearing this song again, just this last week, as you sang, um, boy, did it bring us together. And uh, we, were, we were just grieving again. It helped us, I think, move another step through grief uh, as Anne is thinking about being out on the boat with her father, so to speak, and dreaming of being in his arms again. Uh, this song came as a real gift to us, even though the lyrics originally are describing a much darker circumstance. Um, I don't know how it plays for you. Well, thank you for sharing yeah, that and for... shared that with us before. And we just were so honored by your willingness to share what that meant to you both. Um, it is, it is, uh, yeah, it's just really humbling that that song could be helpful, helpful to you all. Um, and this was done in such isolation and we've been in such isolation as, as most of us have. Mm -hmm. for a long time that getting direct feedback actually in video form we could see your face <laughs> uh, speaking to us you know we were we were kind of like whoa i mean you know we, we we made this we we felt proud of what we made in a way but it was also like we have no idea how people who love the record we love the record a lot but other people love the record and they have their own relationship with the record how will how will this will this honor the original record? Will it, will it be a positive thing? Will people be like, how dare they blow up this record that I like? <laughs> Whatever, you know, we just have no well, idea. Just, just, just hang around on Twitter. You'll find somebody if that's what yeah, you want. Oh, I, know. I mean, we, we don't read, we already don't read our comments on our videos anymore, but, um, but I think um, it was very, uh, it was very helpful for us to, to receive that feedback. And this song, um, I would say we've mentioned a few that have been hard. Obviously, there, there were they were all were a challenge, but this was another one where we we felt like we were kind of walking a tightrope um, because the the original recording is incredibly it's it's one of the most immersive moments on the record for me. Yeah. When I'm listening to the record, when that song is on, it, it's kind of like I'm I fall into it and I'm way mm -hmm. down in it, um, and and the images are so. Um, so evocative and it's like they're they're appearing yeah. in my mind um, yeah this one's very visual for me it's mm -hmm. it's like 
almost so visual that I'm not sure I pieced together a narrative of any kind. I, I kind of was just stuck in the images uh, as I was performing it on, for the record. I, I could see them so clearly in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it just, it almost played like a movie in my mind, like a silent film, I feel like. Yeah, it's like the, the drawer sliding. Uh -huh. It's like, it's, like the, it, it's so specific. Um, yeah. And I think for me, hearing Lauren's vocal performance you know, I'm sitting in here and I'm listening on headphones while she's singing it. Right here is the vocal booth beside me. And where Lauren's sitting is where I would be recording. So I was sitting here, I'm listening to her in there. And I can take one ear off and hear the actual sound of her voice, um, you know, in the building. And once I heard it, I really thought um, this should have no other voices on it. It's just one voice, um, which I... I I definitely did not think that going into it because there's, there are all these there's really so cool harmonies, harmonies and I, I really like the harmonies a lot. And so I was like, and we're a kind of a harmony band. So I was like, we're going to really like, we're going to do that harmony, but, but it just was, it needed to be um, kind of like a, a piano ballad in a way with, with just a, a, a it was like, it's like a solo. It's like a, a um, an individual's journey. Mm. And yeah. we get to witness that, you know, through the performance of the song. And anyway, I, I think Lauren's performance on that is amazing. I have nothing yeah, to do with that. Me too. Um, yeah, but, it's a very sacred song for us. And uh, you sing it so beautifully. Um, thank you for that. Um, I'm realizing that depending on which edition of the album you have, uh, we may have skipped, you may be thinking we skipped the most popular song on the record. Uh, if you get, if you had the original um cd or vinyl in your eyes i think comes before okay. yeah it comes before mercy street in oh, some editions right. of the record they actually made it the last song so that it would be yeah. sort of the big finale of everything and i can i can understand sort of cinematically why they might have done that mm -hmm. but to me that song is the heart of the record yeah. and i always kind of resented that it was made famous by john cusack holding up a boombox <laughs> outside of a girl's house yeah, because yeah. I'm like that is like the that's like the baseline reading of the song. The song is doing <laughs> so much more than that. Yeah, I, mean, I used to sing that song. I remember singing that song in high school when my heart got broken badly for the first time, and it was a prayer. You know, I this this was me lying on my bedroom floor, looking up and and talking to God, mm -hmm. um, trying to remember that that was that was the impression that mattered was what God thought of me in this moment, not what this girl over here did. So I actually yeah. got angry about that movie. <laughs> that makes sense to me. I should be careful. A friend of mine just got John Cusack with the boombox actually tattooed on his arm. So. <laughs> You're going to get an angry text. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that song, that, that, I think that one. Uh, In Your Eyes, in case you're wondering which song we're talking about. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes. In Your Eyes is such a special song. And, um, and I think I, I mentioned this and I, I kind of misquoted the lyrics on it um, on all songs considered, but you weren't, you weren't saying that you were, I know, but I, I, I just kind of forgot that anyway, <laughs> the, the, the lyric um, when I want to run away, I drive off in my car. Yeah. Um, to me, it's, it's kind of like, it's profoundly sad and, and it's like, it's a, but it's totally, it's, it's totally universal. So relatable. Um, and um, I think, 
I think arranging the song where it's really just a guitar and, and a few vocals for, mu for much of it um, was really unlocked the, like the um, distilled nature of the lyrics on that song. They're just, it's really, really incredible. And, and, and also the, the lyrics in the chorus are so unusual. The images are so, um, they're so vast. But, but the arrangement and the melody is so great that it feels so natural. You don't even notice that he's mentioning that he's saying he sees sacred spaces and the resolution of all, all the fruitless, fruitless churches. churches. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's such yeah. a beautiful thing to say. We kept saying, like, I can't believe this is just, this is like a, just a popular love song like that so many people well, yeah it puts a lot of pressure on whoever it's being sung to doesn't it yeah. <laughs> yeah. i thought that too i was like in what eye did you see that i mean i'm sure i'm sure it has been sung in weddings probably from one to the other and i i would have i would have had to bolt for the door yeah i have been to weddings <laughs> where it was the first dance yeah wow but but yeah. it is a beautiful maybe it's an aspirational thing maybe it's a um I, I, well, this is what it my seems dad, impossible what to my dad, much more into it than that. But. Yeah. I mean, what my dad said at our wedding is, um, my dad's a pastor. And what he said at our wedding was somebody better than you lives in you. So you can say all this stuff we're saying. Wow. And, um, and that's how my dad thinks about that's faith. And that's how he thinks about connection to God and the vows. And, and the vows. He mm -hmm. said, he was like, this is, impossible it's like this is just wow. yeah this is tough but i think i think you know I, I i don't know what i don't know what what peter gabriel's thinking but i think um he does seem to understand the enormous uh unnameable mystery that can exist between people and beyond people and around people and and i think that the song somehow taps into that while remaining like a number one hit pop song. It's, a, it's totally an amazing feat. As somebody who had to defend his love of rock music to a lot of, a lot of Christians who were very worried about worldly culture, mm. um, this was one of those songs, like, like quite a few U2 songs, where it was mm -hmm. like, no, see, there, God is out there in mainstream music doing things too. And so it became one of those connection points for me. So I absolutely cringed recently watching a movie that is a parody of, uh, it's, it's like a satire about being in a Christian school or going to a Christian summer camp oh. called Yes, God, Yes. I and know. at this Christian summer camp, uh, the youth group leader, who is just cringeworthy himself, he is all the worst youth group leaders, gets, oh. gets the young people together in a circle and they hold hands and they sing this song to each other or to, to god and i just i was just going to pieces because that's absolutely right that was that was i'm sure that was happening in a lot of christian schools but um it was almost too sacred for me to see them make a joke of it. Um, <laughs> that's kind of like uh i i can recall an experience in college standing in the back of uh, a worship setting and, and um they sang hallelujah the um Leonard Cohen, Leonard Cohen song. Oh, song. no. Like, you don't understand the song. Read the lyrics. That song is so misused and abused. I mean, didn't yeah, I don't want to be. And people felt so much. People in the room were feeling so much. And I, 
I guess that's a grace. That's a grace. Well, okay, this is a, okay, I don't want to be disrespectful. I don't think you should talk about okay, this. Okay, I won't talk about <laughs> it. I know what you're about <laughs> thank you. That's good. Thank you for, thank you. Well, the music of the song, of that particular song, is, is extraordinary. And I think sometimes yeah, that's yeah. all you need. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. It, it's a science to learn, it's a discipline to learn to pay attention to lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, we have already filled more than an hour. So we've, uh, we've, we're down to these last two tracks. Yeah. Um, which are in some ways the weirdest on the whole record, right? Agreed. Yeah. They they have more in common with the earlier Peter Gabriel art rock, where you you can listen to these songs like I have for you know thirty five years and still not be absolutely sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have takes on these songs? I mean, they certainly you certainly made them sound like they fit, uh, <laughs> but I wonder if they are saying things to you in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we do what we're told. I kind of experienced in a similar um, universe as my experience of watching The Wall with my brother in high school. I mean, it's kind of like this kind of really intense, dark, heavy, post-apocalyptic feeling like thing. we're all kind of under the spell of something bigger, just doing what we're told. (laughs) It's eerie, it's heavy, um, but it's still also stunningly beautiful. And it's like, it's like deterministic and industrial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They sound like drones or minions or something. There's a lot of beautiful covers in my imagination (laughs) when I hear Peter Gabriel's version. there's like steam rising yes yes totally and it's um but it is it is such a such an interesting chord change and um and also that one that one intimidated me a lot because there's all these kind of electronic elements that are interacting and i i i thought that i thought to recreate that would not be true to the vision that we were trying to maintain on our version but I also wasn't sure how to give it the feeling, the same feeling, which I, I did want to try to carry into the version we did. And I just had to kind of experiment with different um, sounds for kind of a long time by myself. So Lauren was, Lauren was kind of taking the baby and, and giving me this time to experiment. Well, a lot of this record, one or the other of us was basically babysitting while the other person was <laughs> yeah. in here kind of making some stuff. Most often it was Dino kind of bringing some things together and then, I'd pass him the baby and come in and listen and give him thoughts and we'd tweak it and we'd, I'd have ideas that we'd add. And, uh, but yeah, it was kind of one of the first times we had to divide and conquer, which That's made right. it really challenging. Yeah. yeah. I, and we, we weren't realizing we were being really hard on ourselves and like the slowness of how, just how slowly we were chipping away at these things. And then I realized, well, one of us is basically babysitting this whole time while also trying to focus. So I think that's why this is going so slowly. Anyway, go ahead. Well, yeah, so that, I think that song, I feel a lot of the sim- similar things that, that you felt. And when you were describing how you see these last two songs, um, that really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. One is, one is, you know, so w- that we've talked about, um, we do what we're told. And then after that is, this is the picture, which is a kind of 
it's kind of playful. Mm-hmm. It's there's a lot of silliness on that, but not silliness. It's serious. I think it's serious. Um, and it's but it's kind of performance arty mm-hmm. and kind of like uh, I mean, it literally it isn't isn't it Laurie mm-hmm. Anderson? So yeah. um, you know, it is a performance artist, and also there's a kind of there's there's lists of things that are excellent. You know, and it's just I always thought that song was so funny. Like I would just laugh. And we would always say to each other, excellent birds. Like if a bird flies back, they sound let's face it, they sound stoned, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is it's kind of it sounds kind of druggy, but it sounds like very pleasant. It's not like a um yeah, it's not manic, it's not um it doesn't feel like it is it doesn't it feel feels like overwrought or something hyper tuned in yeah it feels like yeah and i like all the um i like all the kind of the peter gabriel's version kind of sounds like all these like somebody broke a song apart and all the pieces are like and then it's like that one's gone and you're like what and then it's like right. it's like all these little things are drawing your attention around and so it's like a there's a child like there's a child like uh yeah. aspect to the arrangement and yeah there's almost a ring around the rosy kind of playfulness to the, the, <laughs> yeah. the rising up falling down standing on their heads they're ready totally. um, but then there's something there about uh, having having just heard that sort of nazi inspired chant that mm-hmm. um um that hegemony that that one-minded society that can be so terrifying mm-hmm. uh and that song ends with this suddenly his very warm vocals come in and start singing with the with longing about one hope and one dream then there's the question of well isn't that what the nazis wanted um one hope one people one mind one dream but then you shift to this 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 stance of what if which opens up possibility instead of this direct you know you're you're a train on the tracks Mm -hmm. um now you're wondering again now you're looking up again and standing on their heads they're ready suggests to me and again i can get some wild readings out of songs so i may be totally wrong <laughs> but to to conclude the song with an acknowledgement of people who see the world the other way who, mm. who flip your perspective that feels to me like who they who they want to be yeah um, in in this world where you can be so self-absorbed and thus develop self-loathing or so egomaniacal and thus incapable of knowing love, you've got to flip it. You've got to look at the world upside down in a way in order to make intimacy possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it really doesn't matter the track listing, does it, on this thing? It, it could go any which way. You know, I, I had a friend, I had a, one of my favorite people in college um, who became a friend of both of ours after. Um, he used to climb up on our refrigerator in our kitchen. Um, <laughs> Was he and, a cat? Uh, he, was, he was a human being. And he would oh. get up there and he would stand, like we would all be hanging out and talking. And he would keep hanging out and talking, but he would just get up on the fridge. And we had really high ceilings in this kitchen. And he would stand there and just, just look down at us and talk to us from up there. And he just was like, he would never, he would never explain himself. He was a very mysterious <laughs> guy. But he, was, he kind of said to me, I, I need, I need a, like, I need a different perspective basically, but he would never say something that clear. It would be like yeah. some amazing kind of obtuse thing or something, but he, he really had a, a sense of wonder that was unnerving almost and, and off-putting because he was just always trying to, 
he was just always, he was so curious and he was always paying such close attention. And I kind of think, I think of him, uh, yeah. William in relation to this mm-hmm. yeah, song. Yeah. I don't, know if she, I don't know if she would remember this. This was many, many years ago, but I remember Sam Phillips saying that she puts the, puts her shoes on the wrong feet when she writes songs. No way. <laughs> um, you know, that sounds like something that maybe she did for a while. I doubt that that's like, you know, <laughs> nope. but still. I learned the lesson. I learned what it, I learned what I needed to know and I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. And then I developed back problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never forgotten that. You know, it's always like, yeah, okay, what, right. what can I do a little differently to get something creative out of myself today? Yeah, um, great. Oh. Well, what, what a journey the record takes you on, has taken you on, is going to take everybody on. Um, you know, I mean, I, I I love your songwriting, so I, I I corrected myself quickly when I heard myself thinking, boy, they could just do covers albums for the rest of their careers, and I'd, I'd be <laughs> no. eager to hear what happens. Um, but I want to hear more of your lyrics. I'm curious, though, you know, if uh, if this has inspired you, are you now sort of thinking like, you know, I love this record too. I, I'd love to try everything on this record. Is yeah, we've been, been talking that way. With that idea a little bit like oh what other records might we want to do this with i don't know if we've landed on any that we felt so like certain about i mean there are a couple that i've i've thrown out i usually have a lot i usually have a lot of ideas and usually a small percentage of those ideas are are actually good ideas and lauren is part of how i figure out which ones were not the good ideas but here are a few that i've thrown out these have all been shot down um i threw out uh rhythm of the saints paul oh simon. my gosh my favorite paul simon album i it's love that album incredible. i think it's it, yeah that's i like it better than my, graceland yeah i think i i always tell people that i think i think it's i love them both but i i really love um i think this is the conversation i think this is the conversation we had i think we oh, talked yes, about those yes. two records uh when we first met yeah i think you're right because I'm, I'm like I'm, yeah i'm remembering some of the things we were saying i think but <laughs> But I threw that one out. Oh, it's so this, good. This, you kind of responded well to this one. I, I, di- I did say like, what about something like Built to Spill or like a Weezer record or like something, something like totally different. something that would be like. I think a key element has to be that it doesn't sound anything like our music. You know, they might be giants. Yeah. How about uh, Flood? That would that would yeah. be. Yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> that'd be that'd be really that'd be a serious challenge. Some Seriously. of it is because, or like. Um, yeah, I was throwing out stuff that was a slightly too close to our like yeah, our palette or something. Towns, oh yeah, like I was like the Towns Van Zant self-titled record. And I just said what we would do with that wouldn't be different enough. All right, I'm I'm gonna cue that up when we're done here because uh, oh man, oh. it is not familiar enough. Oh, it is it is really an amazing record. Um, I would love to keep thinking of more and more because I I I love music so much. Mm-hmm. It would be fun to do Ram. Ooh. That would be really fun. Uh, Paul fun. McCartney Ram. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Also, probably not a good idea. That'd probably be not. <laughs> um, well, you want to get angry mail? Just touch anything within ten miles of the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We did. Uh, we covered one Beatles song, and I, I brought up a Beatle, another like a Beatles record. Like, um, I mean, Sergeant Pepper's would be the most ridiculous thing to try ever. Or, or like, what if we tried Pet Sounds? It's like okay, <laughs> or, uh, or or what's going on? You know. <laughs> Oh. now i'm thinking of the worst things to try um but <laughs> because they're so good 
Yeah, what, Ken, what, Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar to pimp a butterfly. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. I can, there we I can go. Totally there see that go. being right there. For Session you. over. Yeah, that would be uh, <laughs> a very, very <laughs> bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any Aretha Franklin record? Any, you know? Oh. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, that's. I mean, whatever you guys decide to do next, um, I'll, I'll be looking forward to it. Um, boy, maybe, maybe, I mean, I'm looking at the last question I wrote down here and I, I'm thinking that's an hour of conversation. So maybe we, <laughs> save, maybe we save that for next time around um, because I want people to get, get busy listening to, to Solo. Uh, and if you haven't heard it, folks, uh, the, the last full, um, what, am I right? Am, yep, yep. am I just stuck on Glyphonic? But no, that's the last one, yeah. Okay. Original. Man, that full length um, coming in the fall. Yes. And you had a you had a collection of covers of, of love songs that uh, several months back that yeah, uh, yeah. playing quite a bit this year. There's really surprising choices there that I liked a lot. So yeah, yeah uh, they they've got a deep well of material already to uh, to draw from. Well, thank you for your time. And yeah, I really yes, hope I see too. your faces in person soon. Um, I don't know yeah. when you'll be in the Seattle area next. Um, I hope soon. I, hope, I, I really hope, hope soon. In, before this year is over. Yeah, that's that's at one of our favorite places to play. So we'll, we hope to be, um, we're trying to work out, it, it's just, it's very hard to figure out um, how, how stuff is going to play out with COVID. But um, we're talking about, trying to do a, a tour supporting this this album of originals that's going to come out in october oh um, great and My i birthday would month. i will yeah yeah we I would will. we would um we would definitely if we did a tour seattle would definitely be one of the stops well that'll be part of my celebration i've postponed my 50th birthday because of the pandemic that's uh so I'm, like gonna I'm gonna celebrate it this coming october since last october was kind of a bust uh, uh, yes. So maybe maybe we'll plan a birthday party around it. Uh, Let's please do that. That would be wonderful. Or a 25th uh, wedding anniversary for me and Anne. That also happens Aww. in October. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, if you've never played at the Triple Door, I would highly recommend it. Um, yeah. That's a great place in Seattle. And Over the Rhine has played there every single year, I think, going back probably 15 years because wow. they love that space and that sound so much. Um, we played Fremont Abbey the last two times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been to some great shows there. I would love to play the triple door. I've heard great things from other people also. We'll see. Well, thank you so much for, for doing this. I, uh, yeah, no, yeah, this has been totally you. delightful. Usually I'm getting tired about this time, but now I'm, I'm totally fired up. So <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen now. You're several, hour, you're several hours off from me, so you, you should be tired. Um, <laughs> well, everybody, you should go check out lowlandhum.com and uh, read about the back catalog and watch a bunch of videos and see how they have styled the uh, cover of So Low to be kind of a nod to the cover of So. Yeah, and a lot of good reading there as well. So again, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we'll do this next time around. Yes, love we'd love that. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a Master Shot episode of Looking Closer with Jeffrey Overstreet. You can find more than two decades worth of writing on the arts, especially movies, at lookingcloser.org. You can follow me at facebook.com slash lookingcloser. I'm on Twitter as Overstreet. Yes, you heard that right. Overstreet. 
Both the writing at LookingCloser.org and these recordings are made possible by those readers and listeners generous enough to respond with donations, and I love sharing exclusives with them in our private Facebook group. To learn how you can support Looking Closer, email OverstreetLookingCloser at gmail.com. That's OverstreetLookingCloser at gmail.com. You can also dig deeper by picking up a copy of my memoir of dangerous moviegoing, a book called Through a Screen Darkly, or explore my adventures in storytelling by reading the novel Aurelia's Colors and its three sequels, all published by Waterbrook Multnomah Press. Original music for this episode comes from my lifelong friend Todd Fadel, who makes up half of the band Agents of Future. Look them up at agentsoffuture.bandcamp.com. If you have questions about what you've heard, email overstreetlookingcloser at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Jeffrey Overstreet reminding you to look closer and let's talk about it.